Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. First of all, I have to do something. I have to thank you all for your prayers. I had a knee surgery back on the 19th. Everything's going good. The only issue that I have is my wrap is shrinking or falling. But I have a belt on so my pants won't come off and you won't see it. I keep thinking of those crazy America's Funniest Videos. If you've seen those, you know, where people's britches all of a sudden drop, it's not going to happen. But my rep is doing that. Anyhow, I just had to get that off because I've been thinking about it. But I do thank you for your prayers. I never completely understood till probably just a few days ago the idea of having people praying for you and feeling the prayers of the body of Christ. I could actually feel the prayers being prayed, and I am so grateful for that. And uh, I'm working on learning to walk without a limp because it's been about, I don't know, a few months, and I've gotten really bad habits, but it's coming, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers. I am so happy about that. Um, The only other thing that I wanted to bring up, because we're going to be, this is New Year's Adam, right? Uh... Anyhow, as we're thinking about it, and and the the admonishment was this morning is to shake a hand of somebody around you that you don't know. That's getting harder and harder the more that we get stagnant in our seats. Uh Uh-oh, where is he going? My thought is this. What about, what about there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's 10, 11, 12 sections, maybe a new section every month. (laughs) I'm looking right. There are people saying, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right, just throw it out for an I thought. Maybe you'll meet somebody new in your church. Anyhow, move on. Get with it. Why are you up there? Get it over with. I'm going to ask you to turn in your scriptures to Malachi 1. This is something that we read in our reading just a couple weeks ago. I think you all know where I'm going today. We're talking about leftovers. How many like leftovers by a show of hands? All right, let's do it this way. If you are under 15, how many of you love leftovers by a show of hands? You're not under 15. Who are you kidding? I know in our house, it was always one of those things, especially my youngest son, are we having leftovers? You know, leftovers can be absolutely delicious. Matter of fact, we'll all say certain leftovers get better with time, right? And they just taste better, especially some of those pasta sauces. They just seem to get better. But can you imagine offering something like this, if I can have our first photo today. You've got this. Man, how's that make you feel? You want to talk about it for a minute? Can I make anybody happy? How many didn't have breakfast this morning? (laughs) All right, how about our next photo? How about this one? That's not too shabby either, is it? 
but it sure isn't as pretty as that first one. We're moving into more of a phase of leftovers. How about this one? Yeah! Everybody's welcome to my house today for dinner! Because we've got leftovers like you can't imagine. Matter of fact, I told my wife, I said, after January 1, we're going to clear the counters. We're going to clear the refrigerator. That's more of what our refrigerator looks like now. So how many want to come over? Well, there's a few that's just being kind. But can you imagine inviting your guests over? Having your guests come over, and once they all get ready to sit down, you pulled out all those little containers with dates on it. How would you feel? Would you be pretty pumped up about getting a little bit of uh, Szechuan chicken out of a box that was maybe picked up a couple of nights ago, and we break out the rice, and we kind of hit it with our fist to break it up, and, and then we lay it out and say, yes, uh, the microwave's right over there. You use the amount of time that you like it, because for me, I probably would use a minute. My nephew, he would probably use three minutes, because um, he likes things hot, hot, hot. I don't like them quite that hot, but I do like them fresh. I think we all like them fresh. Would you dare serve leftovers to your guests? Probably not. Probably not. It might be delicious as far as we're concerned. But my thought is, we generally wouldn't serve our guest a leftover. Instead, we would bring the best that we have, right? Something fresh, something that we would like to share with somebody else. So guess where we're going today? Let's look at Malachi 1, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 14. If you will read, I am going to read it actually out of the New Living Translation. So if you have an electronic device, you might want to pull that up. I don't know why, but I just like the way this one was uh, worded. And the rest of our scriptures today will be in the NIV. But today, we're going to do Malachi 1, 6 through 14, and it says this. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect that I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? Well, you defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals a sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how he is pleased, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of an offering, why should he show you any favor at all, asked the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. 
All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying that it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say, it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept you from such offerings as these, asked the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. I'm going off script for just a minute. I don't know how it worked for you, but I'll tell you, I enjoyed the last day of our reading on Friday. You know, we finished up the book of Job. And then, to me, the cream and the cherry and all that, that topped it all off as we had completed our year of reading was Psalm 150. I'm going to just tell you what I did because I just found so much joy in it. And I'm just going to throw out an admonishment to you that if you're having one of those days, if you're having some of those times that are just frustrating, that are getting you down or whatever else, I would say pull up Psalm 150. Put it on a device that can read it to you. And I did that, I put it on, and I just stood in my living room with the blinds wide open because I don't really care, and I stood there with my hands raised and let the reader read Psalm 150 as I stood there and just praised the Lord because he had put that breath in my lungs, right? But put that breath, and I'll tell you what, I don't know how you could walk away from that place feeling defeated, feeling down, because it says, let everything that have breath do what? Praise the Lord. That's the attitude that we have to have. You know what? Enough of the leftover stuff. Enough of just bringing what we can bring, getting our took us through the door and dragging ourselves in. I know those days are going to happen. I understand that frustration. I understand defeat. I understand different things like that are going to happen. But you know what? This is the Lord of heaven's army. And he deserves everything that we can bring. And he deserves the best that we have. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me get back to my notes. (laughs) To understand what Malachi is talking about here, we need to return to a little bit, and pardon me, Daryl Perkins, I hope I don't do a bad job with all the teaching you have done in this church about the Old Testament worship system. But unlike worship today, before Christ came, every person was required to offer up different sacrifices. There was a sin offering that was a mandatory offering. The purpose of the sin offering was to atone for the sin and cleanse from defilement. There was a trespass offering that was also a mandatory offering, was given as an atonement for unintentional sins that required reimbursement to an offended party and also as a cleansing from defiling sins of physical needs. Now, if you get out and you start studying this, oh, you could do a whole class on it for weeks and weeks. 
But I'm just going to give you just a few that these were required. Those two were required. Then there was these voluntary offerings called like a burnt offering, a voluntary act of worship to express devotion or commitment to God. It was also used as an atonement for unintentional sin. And another voluntary offering was called a grain offering. It was to express thanksgiving and recognition of God's provision and unmerited goodwill toward a person making a sacrifice, the sacrifice. And the third voluntary offering was a peace offering. This was a sacrifice of thanksgiving and fellowship followed by sharing a meal. Within this offering, this included the wave offering, the heave offering, the vow offering, thanksgiving offering, a a free will offerings. And depending on the wealth of the people, people would bring a bull, a sheep, a goat, a pigeon, grains or fruits, wines or breads. God's law was very specific about this and also about the quality of the animal. Look at Deuteronomy 15 and 21. It says this, if an animal has a defect, is lame or blind or any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. The animal had to be in normal condition without any impurities. And yet notice what sacrifices were being brought before the Lord and what Malachi Malachi's time they were bringing blind and crippled or sick and diseased animals. That's what we read in verse 8. Pardon me. Now, it's bad enough that anyone would directly disobey God's commandments this way. But what's worse, at least in my opinion, is the motivation behind it. Why, Why do you think a man would give a lame animal as a sacrifice to God? Why would he do that? So, because I'm not a farmer, I tried to put myself in a farmer's position. If I was making a living off of sheeps, sheep, (laughs) sheeps, or goats, if I was that type of a farmer, I would obviously be depending on these animals to help me survive. So would you if you were in that position. You know, to provide whatever the animal could provide, wool, milk, um, meat, whatever it is, you would, you would have these different things, but, but what do I do now with this sick animal? I would have to kill it so that it doesn't infect maybe the rest of the animals, and it becomes more of a liability than an asset to me, and so it has to be slaughtered. It's going to have to be killed. So why waste a healthy goat if I don't have this healthy, if I have this goat that has a bad eye or has a bad hoof, whatever it may be, it's going to get killed anyhow and it's going to be sacrificed. I'll take it in. I'll offer it. Hey, it's a sacrifice. The Lord will be happy with my sacrifice, won't he? I'm happy. He's happy. Hey, we just made a sacrifice unto the Lord. But that's not the way the Lord reacted in verse 10. He said, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Wow. Seems pretty uh, 
extreme reaction, isn't it? I didn't make the goat with a bad eye. Do I begin to blame God for that? Hey, you're the one that creates all these things. You know, you got to watch your attitude even through it. And, and God is, is talking about shutting the gates of the temple so that these type of sacrifices would not be brought in. And, and to me, it shows how serious he takes what sacrifice, what offering is being brought in to his house. He doesn't want a second best. He doesn't want a leftover meal that's got tags on it saying 1220, 1119, whatever it may be, because you were able to pull it out of the freezer, right? If you will, as far as leftovers. He's saying it's better not to have any sacrifice than bring something blind, sick, or lame. If I can, and I should have passed this on to our tech team, but if you can, write this down or get this in you. A true sacrifice must cost something. A true sacrifice must cost something. Verse 9, he said, go ahead, beg God to be merciful. But when you bring that kind of an offering, why should he show you any favor at all? They were coming to God to perform an act of worship. They believed in him. They were worshiping him. But according to the scripture, at the same time, they were rejecting him. It's that heart thing all over again, isn't it? What's in the heart of a man? What's he going to bring? Now, today, I know we don't offer up sacrifices uh, for our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ Let's get this in our head. The blood of Jesus Christ was the last sacrifice made that counted towards forgiveness, that brought us redemption. But do we take the sacrifice of praise to God and that type of an attitude? Do we uh, make our praises like that out of an attitude of Oh my gosh, he's just so deserving of my praise. He's given me salvation when I call and I accept him and I ask him to be my Lord and Savior. He said he would come in. He'll take up residence within us. He will be our guide. He'll be our leader. He'll direct us. He'll help us in our walk. That's the God that we came in and we're singing our songs to this morning. Amen? Amen. So what's the principle here? Don't give God your seconds. Give them the best that you have. And it's regardless of what has happened, even driving in this morning. Regardless of all that. And I understand Sunday, Sunday mornings can be testing. Test, Sunday mornings can try us. Different things. We're just trying to get to the house of the Lord to worship him. And all kinds of stuff can come up. We don't give our seconds. I typically take things back into a sports analogy for me. So forgive me if you don't like that. But you know what? If you're a person that likes drama, if you're a person that participates in anything that there's more than one person, you know, any kind of a team, there's always some kind of director or some type of a coach or some type of an instructor. So that's what I'm talking about here. Can you imagine an instructor? Can you imagine a coach saying, all right, everybody, let's go. We're going to get out there today, and I want you to give me your second best effort today. All I want from you is a second best effort. How how many would quit that team right away? 
I would walk off so fast. No, they're going to tell you, I want 100%. Matter of fact, coaches will tell you they want 110%. I don't know how you give it, but you're supposed to give 110%. I'm just saying, give it all. I, I don't know, maybe... Pastor, maybe we need to be standing at the back doors and as people walk in, we're there flipping high fives or swatting hot fives and saying, let's worship today. I, you know, I love, I love what they do at these different schools as players are taking the field and they're hitting signs, they're hitting rocks, they're doing whatever, but they're, they're getting it in their mind that as I enter this ground, I'm going to give everything that I have. Amen. Maybe we'll have some signs that you could jump up and slap the sign on the way into service. I don't know. I know I couldn't hit it that high. I would have to fall or get on a ladder or something. How about a husband or a wife? Oh, honey, I'm all right with your second-rate affection. It's all right if you give your best affection elsewhere. I'll take your second best. Or how about your kids? Fortunately, I think this might be real for some of us. If you were only as good as those kids... No, we can't do that. We're supposed to build our kids up. We're supposed to shoot them in the direction of their natural bent, right? We've got to put all into them and we've got to encourage them with all that we have that they are the best that there is. There is none like them and we've got to speak that truth and that life into them. And if we're willing to do that with them, why wouldn't be willing to do that with our God that he is the God that's provided all that we have? Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your proper worship. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm just fired up. This morning, we had a worship team that came in that sang together, that led us in songs, in praise. They were offering their sacrifice today. They were here probably at 7.30 this morning getting ready to do this. That's a sacrifice. That's something that cost a little bit. Some of you put money into the offering plate. I understand giving of our our tithes, our gifts, our offering is a type of sacrifice, but you know, it's one I'm willing to make because he has proved a bit to me over and over and over that he can take 90% way further than I can take 100%. Way further. And I hope you even do better than that because it's supposed to be a cheerful, joyful, liberal heart that we give because you know it's all from him in the first place. How about the sacrifice it takes to serve our growing kids or or other believers that are in the body that aren't able to be here? They need our help. They need our support. Maybe just a sacrifice of time is all that would, would work for them. Just the ability to have somebody come and sit down and share a few minutes of their time because the place that they find themselves is a place that they're by themselves all the time. And they're just yearning, they're just crying out for somebody to just come and sit down and talk with me. I had a chance to do that two times the other day. Two of our widows here in our church that 
One was in a hospital. One was at her home. And their, their comment to me was, I thought I had friends there. I said, yes, you do. Yes, you really do. I said, unfortunately, what happens to some of us is it gets to be out of sight, out of mind, and we get casual. We get to be doing things more out of rote than out of drive and desire and happiness. And and the, the question that was just asked of me is, where have my friends gone? I want to challenge you today that a name pops up in front of your mind today that maybe you haven't seen sitting in the congregation that hasn't been here in some time. Uh, If it pops up, would you send them just a note, a card, a phone call, something like that? All that takes is just a little bit. That's a little bit of our serving because he has helped us by giving us the ability to serve. So let's serve those that are around us. Now, as we read Malachi, it may appear that God expects a perfect sacrifice. One that's not lame, not blind, not sick. A perfect animal? Well, I don't know if perfect is the exact word that we should use. But he expects healthy, he expected a healthy, normal animal as a sacrifice. Every farmer has at least a few healthy, normal animals. It's probably more of that than the lame, the sick, the blind. But there will be those too. But what he's not asking you to bring, and and he's asking us to bring something that is acceptable to him, which is our best, the most favorable that we have. He's not asking you to necessarily bring in your state blue ribbon cow right? You know, there's not very many of those. If farmers were able to make a living off of these animals and stuff, and you see them, we were up at the Armada Fair just a few months ago, and you go into these stalls and stuff, and they've got these tremendous, just gorgeous, big cows or, 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 or the horses, the, what's the really big horse? The Clydesdale horses. We were walking around, uh, Linda and I and some of our family were walking around like, these beasts are beastly. They're amazing. They're huge. And if that's all you have, then, then that's what you have to offer, right? That's, that's what you have. But, you know, I don't know that he's even asking us to give the blue ribbon one every time because most farmers don't have the blue ribbon, but they do have the healthy, the normal, the regular, unblemished. And some people think they can never serve God in certain ways simply because they're not good enough to meet the standard. But see, that perfection, that type of perfection is not what he expects. What he expects is the best that you have. That's the expectation. What's the best that you can bring? And you know what? He doesn't compare you to anybody else sitting around you. He doesn't compare you to anybody sitting in this room. What he does is he talks to you and he asks you to bring what you have and not to compare to what others are bringing. You bring the best that you have. If I can, let's go to the Psalms. What does it say in Psalms? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. My noise is very different than Michael Spencer's noise. You get what I'm saying? Make a joyful noise. Now, 
Let's get the focus off of who's making the noise and why are you making the noise? It's to whom we're making the noise that has to be our focus. I don't need to worry, and you don't need to worry if it's on key, if it's not in the right place or whatever it is, whatever you're bringing, you're bringing it because it's the best you have, the best that you can offer, and then you give it to him because he's the king of kings, because he's the Lord of lords, and we need to stop making excuses for the type of worship that we don't think we can bring. He said, make a joyful noise, all the earth. So you know what? It's not about your noise. It's about who you're making it to. And that's got to be our focus. Praise ye the Lord. If you've got breath in your lungs, he says, it's time to praise me. And you've got breath in your lungs, so it's time to continue to praise him. So when you serve the Lord and when you minister to others, what does God expect of you? Nothing more than this, the best that you have. The best of your flock, if you will. Hey, do you expect the best of him? Let me throw out a scripture that I bet everyone in here may have quoted at some time. You definitely have read it in the last year. I know that. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and the church or and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Oh, Lord, I know you'll do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Your word says you will. We expect way big things from our God. If this is what we expect of our God, how can we give anything less back to him than the best that we have? Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are God's handiwork. Will you read this with me? This is, this is just way too good. Let's say it together. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That was like, you know, knocking on my forehead saying, have you woke up yet? You're my handiwork. I, I'm still learning it, and I'm doing better. I think I'm doing better because I would always beat myself up. I would always knock myself down a notch. But you know what? I have had to learn, and I, had, I was walking through the school. I was outside of Mrs. Marchese's class, and I, I read this. Some student had written something out and put it on the wall, and it's like, thank you, student, whoever did that. Because this spoke to me a couple years ago in a very powerful and a mighty way because I am God's handiwork. You, will you look at yourself? Will you say it to your, will you look at yourself? No. Uh, will you say it to yourself? I'm God's handiwork. And I have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Good works don't get us into heaven. You can't You've got to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You've got to profess that he is the Lord. You've got to believe that he's risen from the dead, right? Romans 10, 9, we know that. You have to profess that. But for those of us that have, 
He's already prepared the work that he has for you to do. And what we need to start saying, Lord, is how do I continue to give my best to you when I get a chance to enter into this place, when I get a chance to come in for 2019? This is my challenge to all of you, if I can, if you will let me. Say, 2019, when I enter into that sanctuary, I'm going to bring the best that I have to bring to the God that I want to serve, no matter what anybody else is saying, no matter what else anybody else is feeling or whatever else, I'm bringing the best that I have. That's my responsibility. That's what I'm going to work on for the next new year. Our love for God needs to be restored. I know there's so many of you out there that love Jesus Christ so much. I know that you do. But I just don't think we can ever love him enough. And I think it has to continually be restored in us. I'm asking him, Lord, if I have to have whatever type of surgery you do to my heart, Lord, do it to my heart. I know that can be a risky thing to say. But you know what? I want to honor him in all that I do. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to honor him. We all need our hearts examined. Do we love him with everything that's inside of us? And then my beautiful wife was able to, she threw this out because she was reading in her scripture the other day and it comes out of 2 Samuel 24, 24. And this is talking about David and how he was going to go in and uh, he was going to have to make a sacrifice. And the man that he was going to take or make the sacrifice from, he had a threshing floor. And, and this, he wanted to just give it to King David. And David's like, and, and this word just, I want to resound in your ears again too. This is just a part of this verse that I'm going to read is, I will not sacrifice to my Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Oh, have we been blessed. Oh, have we been blessed. Have we got a great heritage or what? Yeah, we have a tremendous heritage. But you know what? I am not going to just rest on what's been done. I think we've got to continue to take this work and continue to expand it and do it. And however we do it, it's touching those that are in our community. It's touching those that are around us. It's touching our, our neighbors. It's touching our family. It's doing all these other things. And Lord, I'm just asking that I don't take it so casually. I don't take it just another Sunday to show up, you know, to make sure that my God's happy because I went to church on Sunday. No, 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 no. I'm not going to sacrifice anything that hasn't cost me something. He sees that worship that costs nothing. This is David. He sees that worship that costs nothing is not true worship at all. Oh, I'm not trying to get on anybody's bad side. I'm just trying to get us to a point where when we come in, Oh, we come in. We come in with a charge in our spirit. We come in with this attitude of, I can't wait to get into the house of the Lord. I can't wait for Sunday to roll around because that's when I get together with the body of believers and I get to hear the beautiful sound of all the voices proclaiming his name as much as it may be great to do your own studies, and I hope you are, and even maybe Bible studies with a few people. All those things are great and they do add to us, but I'll tell you what, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We need this time together. And I hope that you will get it to a point that you will not let anything stand in your way to getting into his house and worshiping with the fellow saints every opportunity that you get. Because this is such a blessing.
that we can have together. And you know what? It builds us. It edifies us. It strengthens us. It helps us in our walk. And when I know I have you walking and especially knowing that you were praying for me, boy, oh boy, does that put a charge in my step. And we will do that for each other. Let me read this again. He says that worship that costs nothing is not true worship at all. It is typical of David that even after falling into sin, he was not blinded to spiritual concerns. Feeling guilty already, he might have thought, oh, one more compromise would make no difference at all. Oh, no. Instead, he stuck to his principles. He knows that he's serving a God, and he knows he may have blown it. But Lord, forgive me and get me back into that place where I am right and heart towards you. I want to worship together this morning. We're going to leave this place December 30th, 2018, and we're stepping into 2019 here real shortly. And we're going to go out and we're going to be singing a song of praise, of great praise. How great thou art. Will you stand with me this morning? And I am just asking that you will just forget for just a few minutes who's around you and what's going on because we're going to do nothing but sing about how great our God is. We're going to sing three of these verses. And I want you to sing it with all that's inside of you. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Let's do that today. Benefits. Oh, for all of the benefits that you offer us through Jesus. Oh, our Redeemer. Our Savior, Lord God, I ask that you'd speak into the hearts of every one of us this day that, Lord God, as we leave this place, Father, we will give you not just in this house, but wherever we are, whenever we're moving up and down our streets, when we're walking in our workplace, when we're walking among our family, Lord, we give the best that we have to you because you're deserving of it, not just here on Sunday morning, but every day, 24-7, Lord God, we give you the best that we have. And Lord, at those times where we know that our flesh will come against us, where our flesh will get tired, our flesh, our minds will work against us. Lord, I ask that you raise up that standard of your spirit in our lives. Oh Lord, that we will look to you as our strength, our help, our hope, our redeemer. Oh Lord, the one that has caused all success. Oh, and overcome all these things that will come against us in these days to come. Oh, Lord God, let your spirit move into this group of people, this household of faith, Lord God. We thank you for, oh, Lord God, how we heard about an open house. Lord, we want this house to be open to those that need to hear about your name. But, Lord, those of us that know your name, oh, stir inside of us. Oh, that it can't be contained within us as a vessel. That, Lord God, we have to continue to let that pour out, Lord God, that we are not cups that are half full or only full, but we are cups that run over with your Holy Spirit. Oh, I ask that you bless each one this day. Move upon them right now, Lord God, and stir us, Lord, as we move into 2019. That 2019 is going to be a year like none other for all of us as we move out in you, as we move in our faith, as we grow in our faith. Lord God, we're just asking, oh, Lord God, that you'll do a great work with this household of faith. Thank you for it. In Jesus, in Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.